HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah. That cat is high. Look that look in his eye. Oh, man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, we have a good friend of mine, James Minite of Donkey Rum. James was here a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, actually, um, for the Tiki All-Stars show that we did for the, uh, the great Tiki All-Stars night that Brian Miller hosts at Lonnie Kai here in New York City. And uh, I'm very glad to have him back. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, You know, obviously, uh, last time uh, we saw each other was here at the show. Well, maybe. Uh, We could probably saw each other. I probably saw you. (laughs) But but, uh, it it was actually, it's very fitting that uh, you working for Don Q Rum and being at the Tiki Night, there's a little continuity there, having you back on the show to talk about some rum, but also talk about you as a person. Um, You're from Brooklyn. You were yeah, born, uh, born and bred. Born and bred. Bay Ridge. Bay Ridge, baby. Real, real, real New Yorker. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and you're definitely uh, one of the the bigger personalities and fixtures in our cocktail bartending scene and, uh, you know, the spirits spirits world, as it were. And, uh, yeah, it's just really great to have you on the show. We're going to talk about some Don Q rum and stuff. But, I, yeah, I, sure. you know, I, I don't really know that much about you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I was, um, I've been in the, I think people think I've been in this business a little longer than I, I than I really am. Uh, I was a waiter in the 80s, uh, very young, worked at the River Cafe, I worked in the seaport, and then I got out of the business. I never really bartended before, and I worked in the corporate. I worked for 9X, which is now Verizon, or some... Form of Verizon, uh, 9X was the only telephone company, and then the uh, government broke it up because uh, they considered it a monopoly. Uh, but I worked in that uh, category as a suit, uh, and I was a corporate guy, and all I did was fire people. And um, 
they called me the angel of death in the company because if I came into Ouch. A, yeah, if I came into a, if I came into an office, somebody knew they were getting fired, and I would work their job for three weeks till we found somebody else, and then I'd move on to the next place. Uh, and I worked under a guy named Dick Eagle, a really nice guy, even though he was a Celtic fan and uh, from Boston, and he was climbing up the ladder, but I really didn't like the job. Um, and one day I was putting on my necktie and bumming out that I had to go to an office to fire somebody in Manhattan, downtown Manhattan, and uh, one of the offices, and I see this guy on television, and uh, I had worked in the business before, so I, I, you know, I knew what bartending was, and I, I couldn't fathom that a bartender was on a Today Show mixing a cocktail, and it was called Flame of Love, I'll never forget it, and guy flamed an orange peel, and I lost... All control my senses. You and can say you lost your shit. We I lost my, I lost my <laughs> shit. Yeah. And uh, I said to my girlfriend at the time, I said, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to become a bartender. And she looked at me like I was out of my mind. <laughs> and I did just that. I gave my two-week notice and lied and, and got a bartending job. And the guy that was on today's show was Dale DeGroff. And uh, I, I credit him with actually me finding a profession I love and I've been doing it now for about 13 years and uh, 13, 14 years and I finally told him this story about maybe three months ago and he said I've known you for 10 years why would you I was like I didn't want to be one of those geeks telling you how you got me started but really literally I saw you on the show and you looked like you were having so much fun and had been coming from a restaurant background I really wanted to get back into it and uh, I've never looked back. And, uh, you know, I credit him with actually, if I hadn't seen him on the show, it'd be very interesting what path I would have taken. Yeah. Um, and I'm really happy. I, I think the bartending community is great. They're family. Uh, they always rise to the occasion, whether you're high or low. And uh, I have no, no regrets about quitting that job. Excellent. You know, I think, you know, obviously on this show, we've, we've definitely credited, a lot of people have definitely credited uh uh, Del DeGraff as being one of those guys who kind of opened the doors or opened their mind to the world of bartending as a profession. And I mean, you know, as much as I do, you know, that he is definitely one of those guys is an inspiration to all of us. Sure. And, uh, and makes a great drink. He makes a great drink. He's, uh, he's actually, I think he's underrated now as far as, a, <laughs> as a cocktailian, I think he's underrated. And I, he did one of the Tiki, Mondays with Miller, and he probably maybe the best hammering daiquiri I've ever had. I and took a photo. You you had on a. Uh, I was there that night with you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I took a photo of the bar napkin that he wrote a spec on. I have it. It's on my refrigerator. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went back um, about a week later and looked at the spec, and really, this is the beautiful thing about that guy. Um, really, the spec isn't really too far off from what the classic spec is but it's just there's something about having a drink from Del DeGroff that it's an honor it's it's a total honor it's really an honor I you know it tastes fu- different you know? it, it just does and it's funny because like you know you younger kids like I'm somewhere bridging the gap like I'm not as mature as Gary Regan and Dale and maybe me and Wander are in the same ballpark uh, not that I'm even comparing myself to him but <laughs> But I'm kind of somewhere in the middle, so it's really interesting to me. Like, I remember Dell like when I was a waiter. Like, I knew who Dell was in the '80s and the '90s, and uh, he was the only bartender I really knew by name. 
And uh, I had gone to like the Rainbow Room and stuff, and we had gone specifically to have cocktails from him. And it's funny, twenty years later, you're kind of doing the same thing. And I don't, I don't really think anybody has actually hit that nail on the head like he has. And maybe it's because of the timing or whatever. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody else has really like grown to that kind of level where you would want to go see them like he's like a one-of-a-kind person and a great guy absolutely i mean so giving and caring and really wants people to do well and has always been that way from what i know and his wife is lovely and jill is jill's the best and they're just great people and uh, to consider him a friend is to me is it sounds geeky but it's a real honor to like be friends with him yeah absolutely i I remember um going to uh, on that note of uh you know the uh, hemingway daiquiri being like the best one you've ever had i was at the uh, cornelia street cafe when jill was uh premiering some of her artwork and dell was making drinks he was making corpse reviver number two so i was there with uh cabal tomlinson and brian miller and uh a bunch of the uh the norwegian bartenders who have been guests on the show before yeah hello and also um <laughs> and uh i love the way yeah absolutely and uh so he was making corpse reviver number twos and he was flaming an orange twist on going back to the whole the flamed uh twist thing and i have made corpse reviver number twos a billion times more than i can even count and um but something about that drink even though it was pretty much the classic spec flame the twist and we were sitting around drinking these drinks, thinking and talking to each other and saying, this is the best fucking drink I've ever had. And like I said, you know, like certain bartenders shake a different way or stir a different way sure. or for a different, you know, different amounts of time. And it was just one of the best drinks, you know, and, and he's very generous with his knowledge. You know, he, he will definitely sit no, down. He and, is. Yeah. and also he was very generous that night at Tiki, uh, Tiki Monday because... He made uh, me and Tiki Adam <laughs> these fucking zombies <laughs> in the fish bowls. I remember those. And, uh, yeah, I remember I had one of those, and then I had a uh, Hemingway daiquiri, and then I had uh, a zombie, and I look over at Tiki Adam, and he's halfway through his uh, his punch bowl <laughs> of a drink. But, it, yeah, that's a different kind of generosity, I guess. Um, what do you think about, like, as far as... As far as those technical aspects of bartending, what what has changed over the last few years since you've been in it? I mean, obviously you've been in it longer than that, but what what are some of the things you've seen there? Um, I, I think the talent's gotten much better. Um, I think there's a lot more talent, especially in New York, and not just from New York people, but people migrating here. Mm-hmm. I think there's a big San Fran influence here now, mm-hmm. uh, where people are coming to make their mark here. I think New York is a benchmark and some people will disagree with me, but I think if you make it as a bartender slash misologist here, uh, the world is your oyster. And I think that's why people from San Fran, Chicago, Denver, Boston are coming down here to either learn stuff or actually bring something new to the game. Um, but the level of talent, like I was talking to people that have been around. I mean, you know, I've won my share of competitions. And, and it's tough now. Like, you know, I, I used to be able to pick out who I needed to beat. Or, or you know, out of 10 people, maybe I had three people that I was worried about. Or I had them on my radar. And now you go to these competitions and you have 25 people uh, that could win. Like, you know, and I, I don't think anybody... 
I don't think anybody uh, comes under the radar anymore. I think everybody's on the radar now, and there's a lot of cool stuff going on. I mean, I know the the uh, molecular mixology is becoming a big deal in Manhattan again. Um, I'm not sure where I stand on that, yeah. but uh, it, it is interesting. I definitely find it interesting. Um, but there's so much talent out yeah. here now. And, and you, you judge a lot of these competitions. I, I've been judging it. Now I want to kind of go back into competition because I'm getting, I'm getting the hunger to go back in. And, and uh, we're in a lucky business, man. Like people are winning cash prizes, you know, tens of thousands of dollars or flying to the Caribbean or, you know, I, there's no other profession that you get that luxury. Yeah. We're you know, talking about uh, we were talking about Steve Schneider, who's been on the show a couple times sure. uh, from EO uh, Employees Only, and you know he just went to uh, he's in he's in Taiwan right now or Thailand, sorry, Thailand, uh, teaching a conference on bartending to 300 bartenders. I mean, like it, no one really <laughs> like would think that that would happen 10 years ago. And we're we're in a depression, we're not in a recession, but you know the thing is when people uh, don't. Uh, feel good about what's going on in their life. They 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 drink more. Yeah, so we're in we're in kind of a. It's an old Napoleon quote. He says, "I am going to misquote this, but uh, I drink uh, champagne uh, in defeat to console myself, and I drink champagne, champagne in victory. victory." Yeah, yeah, that, that's the, that's the quote. Yeah. I mean, just uh, always drinking champagne. <laughs> we're, we're in a business that's kind of it's almost like. The bar business and the funeral business, like they're never going to go out of, uh, uh, <laughs> out of never, never going to go out of business. So nice. we're in a good, you know, and we're a good community in New York, and I think we're really embraceable to other cities, and I think that's why people come here to to live live here and learn here. And uh, I think a lot of people from outside of New York have brought a lot of talent and other aspects to the cocktail world that we haven't really seen. I think the San Francisco people are really. They're, really talented. They've definitely been up another game. You know, you know and, and I, I think they actually, we needed someone to step up our game. And I think the people from San Fran are really making the New York people work a lot harder than Absolutely, because we, we didn't have a lot of challenges before, but now. No, we're kind of the big the big boy, the big bully. This is, yeah, this is the birthplace of the cocktail. So it's like, yeah, we have, we have to... Uh, we have to be challenged every once in a while. Mm-hmm. On that note, uh, when you're when you're doing a, when you're, like say when you're judging a competition, what are some of the things that really stand out to you with the uh, the competitors? I mean, like as far as like the the cocktails, ingredients, technique. Uh, um, I mean, just technique. I think there are a lot of people. Uh, I want to get. I want to start to do my technique better a little bit. I, I've seen some young people that really are. Their technique is really solid. Um. Also, just to be personable, I think personality goes a long way. Um, I, th- I think it's the I same agree. when you go in. Listen, when you go into cocktail lounge, you know cocktails are expensive now. They could run anywhere from fifteen to twenty-two dollars. I've seen, you know, and and when cocktails are that expensive, people just don't want to drink. They want an experience, and I think the people that do really well in cocktail competitions are people that can make a drink. But they give you some type of an experience where you remember them. And it could be personality or a story or history of uh, the spirits that they're using for the cocktail. But uh, to me, judging-wise, like if you just pour me a drink, even if it's delicious... Even if it's super creative, like with... Unless you have some kind of tale to tell me or some semblance of why you did this drink and smiling... 
I I probably won't judge you that great, you know. Yeah, uh, I always like in being a bartender, and it, nowadays it's definitely like all of our games have to be upped, you know. And I've always said that being a bartender is not just one role. You have to be a chef, a waiter. You have to be a manager, a bouncer, a host, most of all. Sure. And that's where that definitely comes into play. Well, I think what happened was for a couple of years here, uh, the hospitality um, part of the bartending uh, job uh, got lost in translation. And I think that's why you see a lot more places opening up that really aren't speakeasy places. They're not really cocktailing places, but they have a lot more to offer their food or beers or you know some semblance of kind of uh, casual feel and I think that's the way New York is kind of going um, I think that a lot of the problems with the with the cocktail places was that you went in order to drink and your bartender never looked at you right? never acknowledged you made the drink, put it in front of you and it was no kind of human relation I think they're getting better at that but um, I think places that are more hospitality driven are doing really 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 well i think people want that you know that's that's an aspect of uh, in the food and drink service that was missing for about 10 years and i think it's come back in a big way because people are realizing that you know there's a lot of places for people to go and people want to be welcome to a place and if you come in you have a great time um it's not really about how great the drink was or how, but the whole the whole uh the whole night you know uh what you remember like you know whether the bartender was really nice to you or the food was really good or your service was good or people just made you feel comfortable i think that's what people are really looking for these days absolutely we're not here to uh sell drinks and get people drunk we're here to well, people want sell an experience, experience no and doubt about make it. people happy and make people feel welcome and when we get back from this break i can't wait to uh Get a little bit more comfortable with some of the uh, Don Q rum oh, that Don you Q. read. <laughs> so Don Q. We'll, maybe, we'll be back in just a minute. Maybe my favorite rum. Absolutely. <laughs> when we get back, we will uh, try that out and talk more about Don Q rum. Sure, please. All right, back in a moment. Thanks. by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Summertime is not the only time when barbecue is welcome. At S. Wallace Edwards and Sons, Sam Edwards has been working his magic on ribs, briskets, pit-cooked pulled pork, and much, much more. Add a few of their sides and the party is complete. Entertaining has never been so easy. 
To order, go to virginiatraditions.com. And we are back. Cool. Are we ready to drink some donkey? I think so. You've been listening to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte, and in the studio today we have my good buddy James Manine from Donkey Rum and from Brooklyn, New York. Great to be here. And it's a great day to be here in Brooklyn, New York. It's sunny, feels like the first day of spring, and what better occasion to drink some rum? No doubt about it. There's there's always never not a time to drink rum. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, tell us about your uh, what you're doing with uh, Donkey Rum. You've been I, working with them for a few years now, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, there's a real family aspect about that company um, that I find really heartwarming. Um, and even though I've been approached by other companies, I just I tend to go back to Don Q just because uh, it, it's such a family oriented uh, business, and such and they they do such a great job. Uh, but everybody has a piece to the puzzle in that in that uh, company, and. Uh, the rum is really good. I mean, the Anejo, which is aged three years in white American oak, uh, which, which we're, is what we're which, about to, which we're about to yeah, drink yeah. right now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Um, it's just such a great format of rums, like what they have from the silver, the crystal, down to the Gran Anejo, which uh, I can say, even though I, I do do things for other rum companies, the Gran Anejo is my favorite rum. Cool. Uh, hands down. Um, I think it's something really special. It's aged three to twelve years, and people are not aging rums twelve years, and they take the time and dedication to let the rum sit there and create a really balance of great mellowness and great fruitness and great complexity. And uh, and uh, just the company itself is just, uh, I mean, they're friends. You know, like yeah. uh, I've 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 bridged a bond with those people that I really have never experienced with another company. You know, we've both worked for companies, and uh, they—I don't consider them a company. I consider them family. You know, um, and they really get the job done. You've seen down tails and oh yeah, stuff like that. No, nobody does it better than Don Q down I've been to some I mean, pretty sweet Don Q parties. I mean, Don Q just—they're <laughs> they're very focused, but at the same time, they like to have a good time. And uh, it's very rare in a company that you can, can you can actually conceive both and and do a good job. And they are definitely the blueprint for how it's done. And the, and the, I mean, the spirits have no limit. I mean, they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, the, the Sorales family is uh, is so nice. I mean, we went to their house down in Puerto Rico uh, two years ago, and they was they was so nice to us, and so giving, and uh, it, it was just a great experience to be down in Puerto Rico with them and see their their distillery is state of the art. I mean. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, uh, top notch uh, from uh, head to tails, and uh, I was really surprised. You know, I, I've been to uh, distilleries in Scotland that don't even hold a candle to uh, Don Q. And you're starting to see a lot more of uh, Don Q around a lot of the cocktail bars. It's, I mean, just from having this añejo, I mean, it's, it's. Actually, it's it's so much lighter than I remember it being. You know, it's like for for an añejo, it's like it's really really smooth. It's just so good, and it plays well in cocktails. I actually think that the añejo is the best rum, hands down. Uh, and I'm not being a Don Q guy because you, you know me. Like I work, you know, I work for other brands, but 
I tell them, like, the Anejo, as far as cocktails go, is probably my favorite rum. It plays really well. No, and everybody always thinks it's very... Uh, they always think it's very hard. It's not. It's no. very soft. Yeah. You know, it's three years of white American oak. It's very soft feel. Uh, it doesn't over... Like, if you do a cocktail with it, it doesn't really overwhelm it. It kind of blends in really well with stuff, but you, you can still taste the rum there. You know, makes maybe the greatest daiquiri I've ever had, which I, I wish we had lime juice. I, I was just thinking that, too. I, I would totally make it. Especially a on a day like today, man. <laughs> totally rock this, day, this day calls for a daiquiri. Jack, but, our uh, producer, is looking through the window saying, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, sure. Give me one. <laughs> I wish. Come on, Jack. Lime, yeah. juice and, lime juice and sugar, man. I'll shake it right now. I'll shake on air. It wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> but, uh, no, the, the, they're just very dear to my heart. And, uh, and they always really take very good care of me. And uh, uh, it was a relationship that uh, came out of kind of nowhere and has lasted for six years. And uh, I'm really, really happy that, that I'm, I'm part of their family. Well, me too. I'm, especially because you brought this along today, and you brought something special today as well. I brought the Grand Anejo, which is um, uh, rums aged three to twelve years, and a lot of the juice in there is twelve years old. Uh, they were the first ones to really kind of so is it think about aging rum like that, and uh, I, I I think it is hands down my favorite rum. Is it uh, so? You said it's uh, three to twelve. I mean, yeah. is it blended or is it a? It's a blend. Solera? It's a blend, but uh, a lot of it is twelve. Like it's not five percent is twelve. Uh, a lot of it is twelve. Uh, beautiful, beautiful rum for cigars. Yeah, I mean, um, or any type of. Actually, it goes really well with uh, steak or really fatty uh, fish, like uh, swordfish, shark, stuff like that. Um, but the nose is amazing. Uh, I mean, it's just an amazing product. I mean. I'm so blessed to be like you know. Wow! I, I'm so blessed to like be part of this. this uh, <laughs> oh wait, here, here's Jack, our producer. <laughs> Is that simple syrup? Yeah. Oh well, cool. We'll yeah. just do a we'll do a room temperature. Yeah, uh, sha- shaker. Do you have a shaker? Yeah. All right. I'm gonna Sweet. do. I'm gonna do a. Should I do a Grand Anejo daiquiri? I well, mean, if you want to fall out, then we can do that, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll do the Anejo, which really actually makes the best daiquiri, I think. Nice. I wouldn't do the Grand Anejo. It's it's just good on its own. Yeah, exactly. I, I, great, I don't want to mask this flavor. Great, great all. sipping. Bro. Of course, you know. I we, know you know Esteban We could start making it rain in here. <laughs> you know Esteban Adonez. <laughs> yeah, yeah right? absolutely. A good friend of mine does, does a Sweet. great, great. Thanks, Jack. Great job <laughs> with uh, Don Q. I don't, I don't even think he gets the props he should get uh, in our world. And he is uh, great. And also, I- I'll tell you, nobody batches like Esteban. Esteban, me and Esteban, we do batchings. Like with Don Q, we'll do like events like 600 people. And uh, we just get it done, man. Guy's a real talent. You got to yeah. have him on the show one, one of these days. Absolutely. You, you know, know, speaking of that, you know, I, I, I feel like one of the first... I, I'd met you before, but one of the first times I actually like talked to you and hung out with you was at the very first uh, Manhattan Cocktail Classic, and you were working for Don Q. Maybe yes. it was the second yeah. one, but I think it was the first one. And uh, I just remember having way too many daiquiris in that room. Uh, I was making daiquiris uh, yeah. in that room, yeah. yeah. It's the only air-conditioned room in there. I know. That's why I hung out there the entire uh, time. Us and Diageo. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like... 
Let's talk about the. We don't have a whole lot of time left on the show, but let's talk about the daiquiri. Let's. All right, okay. I'm gonna let you start. That's the, that's the Brian Miller shake. I know, I know it's kind of weak. <laughs> no, because you didn't cross your arms. You didn't have two shakers. You didn't, I didn't dance cross around. My, I didn't cross my arms. <laughs> but uh, the daiquiri, let's just talk about this for a second. A lot of people, when they think about daiquiris, they think about some frozen drink with like strawberries or banana or mango. Or, like, sure, they, the, the daiquiri is kind of, kind of a lost drink. Um, but it's making a big comeback. It, 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 like it's, the tr- it, it's trying to. You know, I think rum is the next breakout spirit. And would, uh, totally people agree. in New York will tell me I'm out of my mind. But um, uh, I really think that rum is going to break through in a big way in the next two to three years. Uh, especially with global warming. Uh, <laughs> because we're just... I, I mean, tomorrow's supposed to be 70 degrees. Tomorrow. It, yeah. 69 degrees. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think as far as that goes, you know, people think rum is kind of a secondary spirit category, and they're so out of their minds with that. Uh, I, I just think it hasn't hit in New York yet. Um, I think it will. Uh, I just think it needs a little bit of time. And education, you know, I think people are really kind of... Well, it's just like tequila. Tequila was a spirit five years ago, and nobody drank and now, you know, because of Patron, they made a market for it, and it's a big market. Uh, thank you. Yeah. We are drinking a daiquiri right now, by the way. That's true. Um, cheers. <laughs> cheers to you, brother. I think rum is the next one. I think it was tequila first, and then I think the next one will be rum, and I think Don Q is going to be a big part of that because uh, their their flavor profiles are everywhere from flavored rums to high-end rums to medium rums to rums you can put in your well they're really the only company that's really covered all aspects of it i think it was really smart um there's not really a profile that don q is not really in the market for and i really do think that rum is going to hit very very big in the next couple of years i mean do you agree with me or i absolutely do i mean especially with uh, uh a lot of people don't understand the uh like the history, and it's just because it's been kind of lost to time, but the history of rum, I mean, it's, it's it was a big part in actually the beginning of the United States. Well, we made we made rum. That's what we made here. Yeah. I can't believe nobody's made not made in New York rum. Like me and Brian well, Miller. Besides, like Tuttletown. Yeah, like me and Brian. Well, yeah, but me and Brian Miller have talked about, like, he's always like, oh, I don't like the spice rums out. And I'm like, well, let's make one. And I think in another year, Alan Katz might actually let us two idiots... <laughs> make a spice rum, and oh, I want to make an overproof, overproof spice rum. But have you had the yeah, Blackbeard? That, that doesn't. Yeah, Blackbeard's good. Oh yeah, very much. Blackbeard's really good. Um, but rum basically made the country. You know, when uh, when uh, we won the Revolutionary War, we owed fifty five million dollars to the Spanish and uh, the French, and. Uh, we were really worried because we had lost so many lives. We were very weak. And uh, Washington and Jefferson were really uh, afraid that because uh, the Spanish and the French, we owed them so much money. We owed them $55 million, which now would be like uh, probably $55 billion. <laughs> um, they couldn't, they were trying to figure out, they were like, well, if we don't pay them back, they're going to they're gonna invade us. And we don't really have enough troops to really like hold off both of them 
so how do we pay it back? And Jefferson was like, well, I have the second biggest distillery in the country, <laughs> and you have the biggest distillery in the country. He's like, so let's just tax rum, and we'll pay them back. And actually, that was the first form of tax in the United States. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we paid it back in 10 years, <laughs> uh, which is pretty incredible, because that was a lot of money then. Yeah. Uh, but but liquor was the was the first taxable item in the United States. We also America. started our own civil war with that, like before the civil war, the uh, the whiskey rebellion too. Sure, right. but but you know what? We paid off that debt. I wish we could do that today. <laughs> I wish we could do that today. But it was it was pretty interesting, you know. And the, and the thing was that they they made money because they had the two biggest distilleries. They probably had the only two distilleries. If you came yeah. to my bar and put a tax on Fernet Branca, uh, we could pay this shit off in a day. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. I, I like Fernet Branca, but I, I don't know if I'm allowed a bourgeois pig. <laughs> that's well, all. That's all. That's story. a whole other show, man. <laughs> How's the daiquiri? It's great, man. Right. This is actually kind of how I like it. I, I like it more on the tar side. Jack's looking in here. He's wanting one. Um, <laughs> Did I not give you one, Jack? I'm sorry. There's more. There's more. There's more in the show. Yeah, I don't like sweet. I like tart. If yeah. you get to use lime juice, make it tart. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that, what it's there for. This is how Hemingway would drink it. Absolutely. Well, he was diabetic. Yeah, it was like light. He did well. Essence the heavyweight daiquiri. That's, you know, mm-hmm. very light on the sugar. Don't kill me, <laughs> James. I'm really sad to say that we are at the end of the show. Ah, oh, it was great being here. I appreciate it. Oh, it was great having you here, man. You have to come back sometime. I will come we'll back we'll continue our conversation about uh, the uh, <laughs> taxing. Of our cocktails to pay off our national debt. No doubt about it. I wish we could do it now. But, yeah. yeah. But also, thank you so much for bringing the Don Q rum and the Anejo and the, the Gran Anejo. Listen, the Gran Anejo and the Anejo, uh, two of the finest rums you'll ever taste. And if you haven't tasted it, um, this is not a plug. You need to taste it because they're, they're fantastic. I will definitely vouch for that. Where are you up to nowadays? Do you have anything coming up? Like, yeah, well, I'm working at The Crown with Ben Scorer and Kyle Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Just doing some gigs with uh, companies, doing stuff like that, getting ready for tales, going to Las Vegas um, uh, next week for the bar and nightclub show for two days. Oh, yeah. Go, hey, I'm Mr. Tobin Ellis. Right. Get my drink on. (laughs) I'm literally going out there for about 42 hours and coming back because I'm in the uh, the Metropolitan Opera Cocktail Competition, so I have to be back by Wednesday. Wow. Yeah, it should be pretty fun. Going to hit it and quit it. I'm going to hit it and quit it. (laughs) All right, man. It was so great having you. Thanks for bringing the rum. Uh, Thank you. We're going to have to sign off and give Jack one of these daiquiris. We definitely will. I'm going to make one right now. You got to come back sometime. This is number two for you. Anytime. All right, man. Great having you here. Thanks, David. And we'll check in with you next week on Speakeasy, where my guest will be the infamous uh, Tony Canegliario and Ria Slayer. See you then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. Man, I wouldn't lie. The cat's than a kite. Boys, he's high. Just look at them two black eyes. You know 
I wouldn't lie. He's higher than the sky. When you see him tipping round and round the block, Talking about know that cat is very beat, beat clean down to his socks. That cat is high, boys, I wouldn't lie. Oh, my, oh, my.